0: Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. Today I have with us Luisa Mondalgo from San Juan, Texas. She's not from New York, but she's well known all over the world because she placed second in the World Championship of Public Speaking contest in 2019. And that's how I know Louisa, as an amazing storyteller and a public speaker. But Louisa has a passion very different from storytelling. She rescues dogs and brings them to New York. And what amazed me is that she's been doing this despite the lockdown during the Corona crisis. And so I'm really happy to have Louisa with us today here. Welcome Louisa. Thank you so much for having me Anu. thank you. It's our pleasure. Tell us a bit more about yourself and your project.
1: Well, it's, I'm just one volunteer out of many. And three years ago, I was looking on Facebook and came across a post where someone had shared a post and shared a post and shared a post. And they were looking for someone who could foster a mother and for puppies. I thought, oh, I can do that. No problem. And it said only for about a month or two. I said, OK, perfect. I can do that. Well, before I knew it, uh, once I started working with this organization and volunteering, I had about 80 dogs in my backyard and uh, they were each in their own kennel. They were all well taken care of, fed, watered, cleaned. I would walk them. And that took almost all part part of all my day was just caring for the dogs. And what I've learned is that in South Texas, we have a really bad, uh, we could almost say it's a pandemic down here also with animals because we don't treat our animals the way we should. We don't spay, we don't neuter. And because of that, we have an overpopulation problem. Here, the animals that are picked up off the streets, and there are animals roaming the streets with no owners. They're homeless dogs. And if a neighbor or someone calls animal control, animal control will go and pick up the dog or dogs, or mother, and puppies. They'll take it to the shelter, and in three days, if no one comes to claim it, due to overpopulation and lack of space, the dog and the the puppies are euthanized. So, that's the tragedy we have down here. And this wonderful lady from New York, her name is Diane Rose Indelicato. She started Rough House Rescue approximately ten and a half years ago there on Island Park. And she's done amazing work, and when she realized that South Texas was such a a mess, she decided to help South Texas. So she started pulling dogs from the shelters down here. She's asked, she found me. And so I almost started to make a weekly run to the shelter. And she would say, let me see all the dogs. And I would take pictures of all the dogs. And she would say, okay, we'll, we'll take as many as you can. And I would load up 20, 30, 40 dogs. And Right now we're blessed because we have a ranch here in Mission, Texas, where we're able to take them, we're able to give them proper care, quarantine them. And then once they're ready to go healthy and good, vaccinated, then we go ahead and I, I've now started to drive them up to New York, close to New York City. And there she has her kennel and she just moved to a new location. She's making an amazing amount of progress, but they say that trying to Beet Rescue is trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon. It's never ending. It is never ending. So I have come to the conclusion that what I would like to do starting this year is start a project down here in South Texas where I'm able to spay and neuter as many dogs as possible so that we don't have the tragedy we have down
0: Wow, that's a huge exercise and you said you're one of many volunteers.
1: Do you drive them up by yourself? No, no. There's always two drivers, a minimum of two drivers. Although I have made the new I have made the trip from New York City to South Texas. It's a 32-hour drive. I have made it by myself. That's not fine and I think I'm lucky because I'm one of the kind of people that loves to drive. I can drive and drive, and it does not bother me at all. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's it's kind of a time where I can either play loud music or just be quiet and think of my thoughts or try to organize the rest of my life, which you know is always a work in progress. So yes, there's always two drivers. We drive up there uh, first. We pick up the dogs. Drive up there every time we stop, which is about three and a half hours. We stop every time to fill up the gas tank. We'll take some dogs down. We'll walk them exercise them, clean any crates if we have to clean any crates, feed water, check on everybody. So all the way up there, it's kind of a huge responsibility because it's your job to get these dogs to New York safely. And so once we get there, then uh, we'll go ahead and empty all the dogs. We'll put them into uh, the kennels. They've got there ready to go They start all the medical procedures that they need to. They'll start updating all their information, posting pictures, putting them on Facebook and all the social media. And a lot of these dogs, luckily, because we've already sent pictures beforehand, they already have adopters waiting for them or they have fosters waiting for them. So they don't spend that much time at the kennel waiting for someone to come pick them up and put them into a loving home. So we're very blessed with that. But it's a job to get them up there. But once we get them up there and we've unloaded the last dog, it's a big sigh of relief. Like, okay, we can relax now. So we'll usually uh, head to a hotel, shower up, crash, sleep for 10 hours straight, do what we have to do. And then the next day we'll go, we'll load up food, we'll load up supplies, and then we'll drive back. But on the drive back, we're able to stop and just take our time. And if we want to visit a rest area, or if we want to visit some local landmark or something, we we have the opportunity to do that.
0: So when you bring the animals, uh, the dogs to New York City, and you leave them with Diane, that's the end of your responsibility. You are no longer then um, tracking them in their new foster homes. Well, the beauty of this, to answer your question, yes, that's, that's kind of where it
1: stops. But no, not really. Because what I've learned now is I've grown to know so many people, so many of the volunteers, the amazing volunteers she has there that help her. And they'll, they now private message me or text me and say, hey, Luisa, what can you tell me about this dog? you know, was this one of your dogs? Did you foster one of these dogs? Did you, would you, do you know her story? And I'll say, oh, yes, when I went to the shelter, that mom and she had just delivered babies the night before and they didn't know what to do with her. So I picked her up and these are her siblings and these are the, the dogs and this is her story. And it seems like every dog there has a story, whether it's been an owner surrender or uh, of course, if they're lost and they have chips, they're returned to their owners. But we go ahead and we actually hold them there so that we ensure the dogs we have are able to be adopted or sent out to foster once we're in New York. Once I get back home, then she'll ask me, you know, can you go back to the shelter? Can you pull dogs? And if I see, I have a, I have a weak heart for a dog that possibly has mange and has no hair or, or a dog that has a broken leg or or a dog that's blind or a dog that's deaf. Those are the dogs to me that I reach out and I want to take care of personally only because All the other rescues, they're going to want the pretty dogs or the the dogs that are adoptable. And so the ones that are left behind are the ones I have a a soft heart for. And Diane is amazing because all I have to do is call her up and say, oh my gosh, Diane, there's a dog here with a broken leg. And she's like, grab it, take it to the vet, get, get it what it needs. She's really good about that. So that's my responsibilities are different in New York than they are down
0: here. How has Corona affected your work?
1: In all honesty, it hasn't. Not at all. I know everybody is saying stay at home, stay inside, indoors. Now, people that have children, people that have spouses, people that are uh, maybe caring for other people in their home, I live by myself. So whatever I go and contract out there, if I do, I bring it home here. Uh, I'm always wearing my mask. I'm always wearing gloves. I'm constantly changing that. When I go to the ranch, there's workers there, but we all stay away from each other constantly washing my hands. So I take as many precautions as I think I can. I'm also up to date on vitamins and supplements, trying to keep my body healthy. I do have a little bit of an asthma problem, but I have heard that people that are compromised more are the people that have health issues, maybe diabetic, high blood pressure, asthma. Something they said that might be a tip for you if you're probably contracting the virus, is if you're not able to hold your breath for 10 seconds, because they say shortness of breath is one of the symptoms. So every morning and every night, I'll sit there. And I think I'm up to 22 seconds now where I can hold my breath. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good, so... I'm taking all the precautions I can. I try not to interact with anyone. I go to the gas pump. I pay outside. I use a glove. Then I throw away that glove and I get in my vehicle. I'm done. So the less contact I have with people, the better. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. In fact, sometimes I guess it infuriates me when I see people that aren't walking around with a mask or gloves on, but that's them.
0: What happens to the dogs that don't get adopted?
1: Every single dog that I've taken up to New York has gotten adopted. Every single one. The people that are amazing, they have a love for their animal and they actually treat it like their family. The more, I've, what I have found is the more of a personal story I can associate with the dog, the more the people are apt to want to adopt or foster. I do know they have what we call a foster fail, where you say, okay, I'm just going to take care of the dog until it's adopted. But they wind up adopting the dog because of course the heart, the, the dog becomes part of their heart, part of their family, part of their home. So they don't want to let it go. But there are no dogs that don't get adopted, none. And that's what I'm so, so grateful for. I know that every dog that I take to Diane, uh, I know between her and all her amazing volunteers, the dog is going to be either in a great foster home or is going to get adopted.
0: So what is this agency called? Ruff, and that's
1: R-U-F-F, Roughhouse House Rescue. And they're on Island Park. And
0: do they have a website?
1: Yes, they do. It's a roughhouserescue.org. And they've got places where you can donate, places where if you want to drop off canned food, anything like that. It's blankets, when it gets cold, toys. That's my dog. I don't know if you can hear him.
0: So, Louisa, how does a day look like to you, a typical day?
1: A typical day, I used to set my alarm. I don't anymore. I used to work night shift for Abbott Laboratories. I was with them there in Austin, Texas for about 25 years. The last 12 years I was there, I worked night shift. So it's not unusual for me to stay up till two or three in the morning. I usually wind up getting up around eight o'clock. It takes me, depending on how many animals I have, I just recently had 22 puppies I was taking care of. And when they're individual puppies, it takes a while to clean all their crates, feed, water, medicate, check on them, make sure they're all doing well. That usually takes up a good part of my morning. Then I usually have a Toastmasters meeting that I attend. There's a couple of meetings I have at noon On Monday and Wednesday, I do that. Then after that, we usually go out to eat, grab something to eat. And then from there, I probably will run to the ranch to take them supplies or I'll go to the shelter and pick up dogs. Then head out to the ranch, drop them off, get them all vaccinated, set them all up to where they're good. Then I'll come home. I'll probably jump in the shower, grab something to eat, grab something for my mother to eat, or I'll cook something. I run over to my mom's house about eight or nine in the evening. We spend some hours together, and then she usually likes to fall asleep about midnight. So she'll fall asleep. I'll leave her house. And the the good thing about that is she's two blocks away from me. So then I drive home. I let all my dogs out again, uh, make sure everybody's okay, watch maybe an hour of TV, and I usually fall asleep with the remote in my hand.
0: Interesting. So do you
1: take uh, vacations? I used to vacation a lot. I haven't in a long time, but then every time I go up to New York, I consider that a vacation because to me, vacation means getting away from your daily responsibilities. And so if I get away from my daily responsibilities, it could be 30 minutes from my house or it could be 30 hours from my house. It's a vacation. Just recently, I was honored to have placed at the World Championship Speaking Contest with Toastmasters. And so I did a little bit of traveling before uh, COVID-19 came along, but I love to travel. It's, It's the one, whether I get on a plane or whether I'm driving there, I love to
0: travel. That's interesting. Now that you are the world champion, the runner up, you know, your story is very famous. Are you also doing something extra to spread awareness about the plight of dogs and foster dogs and how people can rescue them?
1: Usually, whether it's Toastmasters or an interview such as this one, I try to end with spay new to your dogs because that's the only way we're going to change this tragedy that we have here in South Texas. And it's not just in South Texas. It's all over the U.S. And in some other parts of the world, it's worse than it is here. I want to start a campaign here. I have some friends of mine working on helping me with that. I just purchased a, a bus that I'll be able to transport possibly pick up some of the stray dogs here, get them to the vet, get them spayed and neutered. And I've given myself 10 years to try to take South Texas off the map of being the worst place for a dog or a cat to be. So that's kind of my long-term goal would be the, the 10-year goal. So hopefully in 2030, we won't have this situation here. Anytime I talk to anyone, I try to educate them and I think that's the problem I'm having here in South Texas. People don't want to spay and neuter they're like, well, I've got a pit bull and I can breed her and I can make money. And, and it's very hard to try to convince people that instead of breeding more dogs, that we're killing over hundred dogs a day here. And that's because they don't have a place to go. They're, they're not sick. They're not vicious. They're not anything. They just don't have anywhere to go and we don't have the space.
0: And it's much better in New York for dogs, right? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. The I guess you can go anywhere and find good people and bad people. For some reason, New York City seems to be one of the cities, or New York, the state, seems to be one of the states that really does care about the animals, and they don't just speak it. They 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 don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. I've seen some. I've seen so many of my foster dogs and their new owners will message me and say here here's a picture of us you know we took this picture or here's our christmas picture or here's here's what happened or here's what we did and these these people there there in new york are just amazing and i am so so grateful for them you will find people that will do things to help themselves but when you find amazing people that will do things to help others those are special people i'm so grateful for you all of the people in New York that help us. I can't say thank you enough.
0: I feel very touched. Thank you, Louisa. I feel very touched because you speak for the voiceless and that's really important. I mean, we are in a crisis, but we need to shed some light on on our four-legged friends, our furry friends who can't speak for themselves and their lives matter too.
1: And the, the sad thing is this doesn't stop. It doesn't stop on during the pandemic. They still get euthanized. They still get picked up. They still get abandoned. They still get left on my porch. They still get thrown away in boxes. They get abandoned. And whether it's Christmas, Easter, it doesn't matter. It happens every single day and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop.
0: I agree. Do you have any memorable experiences from your trips?
1: It seems like every transport that I have has something memorable. And I guess the best part about it is, is that getting them to New York City and then uh, getting them to Island Park. And you see all these people that are standing in line, waiting to pick these dogs up, you know, that's, that's unheard of. That's just amazing. So every, every transport trip I have has a, has a special story to it.
0: So Louisa, when you're not taking care of dogs and when you have some time uh, on your hands, what are your other passions?
1: I sleep. (laughs) Oh, you need rest. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's very, very few times that I'm not doing something, but when I do, uh, I try to sleep because my body needs to catch up. One thing I absolutely love to do that's become a, a really cool little ritual is i go to my mom's house. And she's in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And I remember one time I had gone to New York and I was I stayed there an extra two or three days. So I had been away maybe six days, maybe almost seven days. And I walked into the house and I said, hey, mom. And then she looked at me and she said, who are you? And that, that hurt my heart so much. And she looked at my brother and she said, "Is." I said, mom, I'm your daughter. And she looked at my brother and she said, is that true? Is she my daughter? And I played it off. I was, it, it just killed me. It hurt my heart so much. But I played it off and I started joking and acting like a clown like I usually do around her. And about three minutes later, she looked at me, she goes, you're my daughter. I said, that's right, mom, that's right. She goes, oh, okay. And she starts laughing like, how could I have forgotten? And so because of that, I try to make it over to her house every night. I ask her about when she grew up because she has a very good memory of her childhood. She just doesn't remember that it's her birthday or she doesn't know what month or year we're in. And sometimes she'll forget that my father passed away and she'll ask me where my, da- my dad is and uh, small things like that. So it's it brings me so much joy to go over to her house every time that I can and I'll take her food and she's like, <gasps> I was wondering if you were going to bring me dinner. And I'm like, yes, mom, here you go. And, and we'll joke and we'll have, she's she's always been my best friend. So it's it's special times. I know that I need, to, everybody says, cherish this time that your mom is still with you. And I'm like, I do. I cherish it more than anything. So time with her is, is very special. And I try to do that as often as I can.
0: That's a very timely message to our listeners too during this crisis, it's becoming more important than ever to cherish each other and hold on to those precious moments, because we don't know when we're seeing each other, right? Do you have a message for our listeners, if there's anything you'd like to share?
1: There are so many things, and I thank people like you, because without people like you, people don't know about possibly the good they could do. There's there's two or three things that, that I like to tell people, and that is, one, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. The only reason people will tell you you can't do something is because they don't think they can do it. And they know that you can't be better than them. And that's not true. You can do anything that you set your mind to. Prove them wrong. If anything, prove them wrong. The second thing is you're never too old to do what you've always wanted to do. I, let me see, in a few days, I'll be 61 years old. And at 60, I won. I came in first place, or I'm sorry, not first place. First runner-up in that contest with 30,000 people, 143 countries. I never thought I would I would get to that point. <sighs> okay. he's, he's, he's my watchdog. But you're never too old to do what you want to do. The only thing you can't do is be younger. But other than that, you can do anything else. So age is just a number. And and I guess the, the other would be to spay and neuter your animals because that's the only way we're going to make a difference that's the only way this is going to change. So thank you again for this invitation. Thank you again for being able to, to spend some time with me today. It's most appreciated. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Louisa. It's our pleasure. It's my pleasure and the listener's pleasure to have heard you today. So thank you so much. You're an amazing speaker and I wish you good luck. And hopefully you'll be back on the show soon.
1: Absolutely. Anytime. Right. Thank you so much, you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York make sure to visit our website, anusainan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks from now.